on my heart and just what he's been doing and um, something that the Lord has really been just, I feel like sometimes pounding into my life is, is the power of your speech and your words. Um, the, the power that comes from that. And, and something that he's taught me in the midst of that is that I have to let myself become lower so he can become higher. Because the lower I get and the higher he gets, the less of Jairus that shines out and the more of him that shines out. And guys, to be honest, I want my whole life to shine nothing but Jesus because that's just really something that, like I said, he's been showing me in Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death. So our words matter. They matter. And most of you here know this about me. I have this sense of, a, I just have a joking spirit. Um, Michael Perkins has said many times that mine and Neil's love language is sarcasm. And he's being serious because we're just, that, we're just those kind of people. We like to joke. We like to have a good time. And, and something that I have found really with my friends and coworkers is that I like to pick and tease at them a lot. Um, I've been at my job now for almost three months, and they already know that about me, that I, I like to pick on people. And not in a bad way. It's just... That's what I do. And, you know, they, they know I'm joking, but uh, Holy Spirit's really been checking me on that. Um, many times as I'm joking with people, the Holy Spirit is just like, well, are the words you're speaking, are they uplifting? Are, are they leading lost people to me? Um, are, are your words words that Jesus would speak? And many times I feel like a kid when he starts that because I'm like, well, they know I'm joking. And and something that, that Holy Spirit has really said, but does the person on the other side of the wall know you're joking? Does the person who walks by your table at the restaurant know you're joking? Does the people around you know that, that you have the life-sustaining power of Jesus in you when you're joking? And guys, I usually feel about this big because I'm like, oh man, you're right. See, the words we speak put things into the atmosphere. So if we're speaking words, even jokingly, if we're speaking words of discouragement, that's what we're, you know, filtering the atmosphere with. So something that Holy Spirit has said is, I want your words to be uplifting, that no matter where you go, what you say, what you do, I want you to be speaking life into the atmosphere because the way you saturate the atmosphere is the way that people are going to respond. Now, I'm not saying that we can't joke around because I believe, you know, it's okay to joke around. But we need to be aware of what we're doing. We need to be aware of the words that are coming out of our mouth because our words have the power of life or death. And so that goes back to my whole getting lower so he can get higher so people are attracted to Jesus in my life. And so, um, like I said, that's just what he's been doing. And this passage of scripture that I want to share with you this morning is um, a pretty popular passage of scripture. And my friend and my mentor, we were talking about this passage a couple weeks ago, and it's just, it hasn't left my mind. Uh, God just keeps replaying it, and I just keep learning more and just going deeper in this passage of scripture. And so um, in the midst of all this, I've also been learning about free will, and I talked about this with you guys a while ago, and how God is just really taking me on this journey of, of words and free will and how we're supposed to live in the midst of all that, because it's just... Sometimes it's just overwhelming. And um, we see many times in Scripture how Jesus lived out this lifestyle of not my will, Father, 
but your will. And if you guys were here when Hal and Debbie were here, he really shared that hard, you know, like, God, I don't want to live my will. I want to live yours. And so I want on earth as it is in heaven. And in order to live that lifestyle, I have to get lower and you have to get higher. And so it amazes me just every time when I think about this and the depth of where God really wants to take us. See, I don't, I don't think we're really even on the surface of how deep God really wants to take us. See, he wants us to be completely broken of self, so then that way we can be completely filled with him. And when that happens, that's when territories are going to be taken back. That's when lives are going to change. Because when we begin to speak out God into the atmosphere, it says that, that evil cannot be in the presence of where God is. So if we're speaking out words of life and we're so full of the life of Christ... It has to change the atmosphere. Evil things have to go away. So if we're living out that lifestyle, things are going to change. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning. And we're going to be in Matthew, the 14th chapter. And we're going to read verses 13 through 20. And I'm going to be reading out of the NASB version this morning. So let's pray before we get into scripture. Papa, we just thank you. We thank you that that we can come together and that we can just dig into the truth of who you are, Lord. And God, my prayer this morning is that every word that passes through my lips, Lord, that it's going to be your words, God. I don't want any part of myself up here this morning. So, Lord, I'm just asking that you anoint this. Lord, I'm asking that your word pierce our hearts, Lord. And, God, that it just takes root into our life. So, Lord, we're just asking that you just continue to work and continue to move. And we just love you, Papa. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So Matthew 14, 13 through 20 says this. Now when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and the hour is already late. So send the crowd away, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We only have five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Ordering the people to sit down on the grass He took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up towards heaven, he blessed the food. And breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. See, this passage of scripture, it really, uh, it just gets me every time. And I just want to share, like, this morning, just things that have kind of, um, popped out over the past couple weeks that I never really thought of before, and just new things that God has been showing me. And uh, most of you guys here, Pastor Michael has been teaching us about the importance of being seated with Jesus, about just getting to that point where we can just relax and be like, you know what? I don't get it. I don't know why this is happening, but I'm going to be seated because you told me to be seated and to relax and just chill and know that you've got this. So he's been talking about that, and that's really how Holy Spirit wants us to be. And when you look at this passage of scripture, um, you look at verse 13, and it says that Jesus had just heard about John's death. And so when he heard about John's death, he said, okay, I need to get away. 
I need to just go and get in the presence of my father. I need to go spend that time with him because I'm hurting. Because John was family, guys. He was hurting. And so he's like, there is no better place for me to be when I'm hurting and down than to get into the presence of my father so I can get my focus redirected on, on God things. And so he's going to go to the father. And so the people hear about this, and they're like, oh, man, that Jesus, that guy that when he's on the scene, things change. He's going to be in this area, so I'm going to go, and I'm going to go find him. And so while Jesus is trying to get away, he sees that these people are desperate for him. They see that, that they're so desperate that they're willing to chase him down. And what happens? His heart was then turned towards the people. It was no longer, he wasn't like, Father, I need to go get away. It's like, Father, these people, they're desperate for you, and they really need you. So you know what, Father? Not my will, but your will. And because I'm going to do your will, I'm going to turn, and I'm going I'm to be with these people. And what does it say? That Jesus healed all their sick. So what can we learn from this? That when we become desperate, when we are so desperate for Jesus that we just go wherever he is, that he comes on the scene and everything changes. And so if you have a hurt or you're broken, you can go to him and he, his heart, it's changed by your desperation. When you go to him and you're so desperate, he, he comes and he will take care of your needs because that's what he does. See, and then we continue reading that night was coming and, and the disciples are just like, Jesus, man, dude, we're hungry, so I know if we're hungry, these people over here have to be hungry, so send them on their way. Let them go do their thing. Go Tell them to go get something to eat. They listen to you. They don't listen to us. Tell them to go. And so Jesus replies to them, and he's like, they don't have to go anywhere to get something to eat. Give them something to eat. And then I can just imagine the disciples, they turn and they look at each other, and they're looking at Jesus. They're like, dude, we only have five loaves and two fish. We barely have enough for us. How are we going to feed all these people? I think, he's, I think that's Jesus. I think he's lost his mind. I think he's been out in the sun too long. Like, that's basically, they're like, I don't think this is going to work. And I can just see Jesus just, like, shaking his head and just kind of giggling. And he tells everyone to, get, to sit down, you know, like, to be seated and know that he's going to take care of it. And then he prays a blessing over the bread and the fish. And he says, okay, give it away. Go do it. And something that um, I just kind of learned myself over the past probably two months, never really thought about, is that the disciples, they were teenagers. I mean, think about that. Most of them were teenagers. They weren't, yeah, Jesus is 30, and he's hanging out with them, and these are just a bunch of teens, and he's like, dude, go do this. Can you imagine? Jesus was like the first youth minister. Like, it's, it's pretty cool if you think about it. But something that, that I think is really awesome and that I never really thought about this fact, but the disciples were really the one who carried out the miracle that day. It was the disciples. I mean, Jesus prayed over it, but they're the ones who took the miracle out to the people. It was their faith and their trust that Jesus, whatever he said was going to happen, that's what created the miracle. I mean, because can you imagine them? They're like looking at their basket and they're like, okay. Maybe one person can get something. And can you imagine the faith that they had to have that every single time someone took something, they look down and it's like nothing's missing. There's, there, there's still some here. So their expectation of what God was going to do continued to make them go and see how far God was going to really go with this. And so they are the ones who carried out the miracle. People listened to Jesus and they got seated 
They got lower so Jesus could get higher, and then the disciples carried it out. So guys, think about that. Sometimes God, he comes on the scene and he says, okay, I have this amazing miracle and I want you to carry it out. It's my miracle and I'm going to give it to you to carry it out. And I want to see how far your faith is going to let you go to carry out this miracle. Because again, I can't imagine being one of the disciples, one of these, I mean, a teenager looking like, okay, and not only, not only was there enough But then at the end, they're looking at all these people, and they're like, we have leftovers. Like, wow, that's pretty cool, you guys. See, as as Jesus prayed over this, and as the disciples began to live it out, what they were really saying is, not my will, but your will be done. Because the disciples, what did they say? There's not enough here. This is all we have. But then Jesus is like, no, this is going to be more than enough. And so the disciples just said, you know what, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but your will be done, not mine. It doesn't make sense to me, but you're bigger than I am, so I'm going to trust you. I throw my hands up out of the situation. I'm going to go carry it out. And if I look like an idiot, then okay, I'm going to look like an idiot. But think of how many lives were changed because these disciples were like, I don't get it, but I'm going to do it. Not my will, but your will. So then after this happened, Jesus tells his disciples to get into the boat and that he's going to meet them on the other side. And so if you remember, when Jesus was first coming to this place, he was coming so he could have alone time with the Father. He was coming because he just needed to have that time where, where God just filled him back up and he could begin to really live in God's strength and not his own. So he tells his disciples, go. And I think this is interesting because this is, the disciples were kind of like his bodyguards, but he's like, you go. I'll take care of these people and tell them to go home. You go. I'm going to do my thing. You do, you you know, whatever. So the disciples get in the boat, and they start going to the other side. And Jesus goes to the crowd and says, okay, you guys can go home. Go home. Choo-choo. So then he goes up the mountain. And my friend, she was telling me that that she went and uh, was climbing up this same mountain. And it took her three hours to get the top of this mountain. So Jesus, it's nighttime, and Jesus walks up the top of this mountain because he's desperate. He needs to get in the Father's presence, and he knows he needs more of the Father. So he goes, and and he spends time with Papa. He climbs up that hill, and then he just gets on his face, and, and he spends time with Papa. And I don't think that he was just sitting there saying, Lord, I, Papa, I need your help dealing with John. No, I think what Jesus did is he came, and he fell on his face, and he said, thank you for moving today, Papa. Thank you for for providing today, Papa. Thank you for for the hungry and willing people that you sent on my path today, Papa. Thank you for my disciples who trusted, who didn't get it, but they trusted. Thank you for them, Papa. Thank you for the miracle that you performed, Papa. And I'm going to ask that you do it again. I don't want just one miracle, Papa. I I want more miracles like this. I really think that's what Jesus prayed. I think he went up and gave, gave thanks to Papa and then said, whatever, whatever you need to take out of me, whatever I need to just lay down here with you so that this can happen again, so that more miracles can happen, Papa, take it right now because I want, I want more. I want to get lower, Papa, so that you can get higher. I want, I want my life to be an example of who you are, Father, because that's what's going to change the people, not me, but you. 
And I just think that that's really awesome. And that part, it just wrecks me because how many times do we get to that part in Scripture and we think, oh, of course Jesus went to pray. That's what Jesus does. You know, like, oh, he went to pray. That's cool. But really, what this is teaching us is that when God does those amazing things in our lives, when God uses us in amazing ways, we need to stop and we need to pray and we need to thank him and we need to say, God, fill me up again so that I can pour myself out so you can fill me up again. I want my life to be this, this continuous cycle of miracle after miracle after miracle because you are God and that's what you want to do. God doesn't want it to be every 40, 50 years an amazing miracle happens. He doesn't work like that. He's the same God today as he's been all through this. We just have to stop and live it out. That's what the change has been is, is humanity. See, I think we miss why Jesus went to pray. He went because he needed time with Papa. He went because he just needed, he just needed that one-on-one -on -one time. He needed to be in the Father's presence and to be filled and revived to go and do the work that he has been called to do. And how often do we as Christians get into this routine that, that we come to church on Sunday, we come to church on Friday, we come whenever else there might be a service, and, and we think that's enough. But it's not. See, we need to be filled up multiple times throughout the day. I don't know about you guys, but there are many times throughout the day that I just stop, and I'm like, okay, Lord, there's a lot of Jairus showing right now. I need you to just stop it. Lord, I see my coworker. And her life is a mess, and she needs you, Jesus. Let me be you to her in this moment. Give me the words, Papa. That's how we need to be living our lives. We need to be so desperate for the world to change, for lives to come to Jesus, that we're stopping and we're saying, Lord, thank you for giving me the words this time. Do it again. Do it again with the next person I meet, Papa. Do it again. That's how we need to be. See, Jesus went alone and prayed often with Papa. He knew that in order for him to be lower and Father to be higher, that he had to spend time with him. He had to be broken. And my thought is, guys, if Jesus had to do this, if our Messiah had to do this, if the Savior of the world had to stop and pray and be filled again to pour out again, then why do we think we don't have to? If Jesus did, then I have to. I mean, he was fully man and fully God, and even he knew that he had to be filled over and over and over and over. So then we have to be filled over and over and over. It's not just a prayer in the morning, thanks for waking me up, and a prayer at night, thanks for letting me come home and go to sleep. It's a continuous thing. Papa, what can I do? I mean, I sat in the restaurant last night, and I was overwhelmed by God and how I saw him move in people. I mean, when you stop and you really look, you can see God moving wherever, but you have to stop and you have to pay attention and you have to purposefully say, Jesus, what do you want me to do in this situation? You placed me here at this restaurant. You knew that I was going to be here. You have to live out your life like every single moment's an appointed time. Like every single moment, there's going to be a divine intervention. And guess what? You get to be a part of it. You get to carry out these miracles. That's the part that's so amazing. We get to. It's an honor to serve God. It's a privilege to serve God. It's not a hardship. It's a privilege. It's amazing. See, Jesus, when he went to pray, he went and asked Papa for more. More miracles, more breakthroughs, more healings. 
more broken people on his path. He went to pray, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. See, and if, if that right there isn't enough, see, I think, I think we could stop right there and that be perfectly enough of just this overwhelming awesomeness of who God really is. But the story continues. It says that after Jesus prayed and asked the Father to do it again, he went down the mountain to meet his disciples. And something that I want us to pick up here is what did he tell his disciples? Get in the boat, go to the other side, and I'm going to meet you on the other side. So when Jesus walked on water, he wasn't thinking in his mind that, oh, I'm going to stop in the middle of the water and meet the disciples. See, his plan was to meet them on the other side. What got his attention is that they were scared. And what I think is amazing is that they weren't scared of the storm they were in because earlier, Jesus had already cured them of the fear of the storm, right? When he calmed the waves. So see, that's something that I think is really key there. They weren't afraid of the waves because they've already conquered that fear. That fear was not holding. They thought Jesus was a ghost. And so I think right there is a whole sermon in itself that once God, you know, takes away the fear, stop letting it come back up and be fear in your life. When God takes it, he takes it for a reason. I think so many times we continue to let fear be a reason to keep us from filling up and letting out. But so Jesus has stopped and he's moved by their cry for help. And what, what, does, what does Jesus say? Don't fear me and what happens it says as soon as he said that like that their fear was gone don't fear it's me it's Jesus I'm good so what I see here is that and what I love is that they didn't let fear overtake them I have spent most of my life including my Christian life so afraid of what other people think of me that I've let it keep me from really reaching people like Jesus has called me to. And there are still some moments that I'm like overwhelmed by fear, like, oh, Jesus, if I do that, they're going to, they might think I'm stupid. They might think I'm crazy. But God's like, don't fear. I'm in it. I'm here. I've overtaken that fear. Stop. It doesn't matter what they think. I've placed you here for this time. See, I think that, that faith is not about what we see. It's not. But it's about what we hear from Papa. Because it wasn't the disciples, they were afraid when they saw Jesus, but as soon as they heard his voice, it was like that. The fear was gone. See, faith is about what we hear. It's about knowing Papa's voice so intimately that fear can no longer take residence in your life. Because his voice is so constant, and it's just like, you can't concentrate on the fear, because you're like, what did you say, God? What was that? Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to listen to this voice over here who says I should be afraid. I'm just going to listen to your voice, God, because you haven't put me in the wrong direction yet, so I'm just going to continue on. See, when we become seated with Jesus, and we become desperate for Jesus, and we become the hands and feet of Jesus, and we know his voice so clearly, that is when the kingdom starts to come here on earth as it is in heaven, and that is when lives begin to change. If we want to see that change happen, we have to become so intimate with him that, that we can't be distracted by everything else. And guys, I know it's not easy. <laughs> Every single day, the enemy throws things in our way. The Bible says that he throws fiery darts at us all the time. That's why we've been given the, the different things to, to protect our minds and our hearts and our souls from the 
We just have to begin to living it out. See, when we become lower and allow Jesus to become higher, when we humble ourselves and really begin to live out the life that Jesus has showed us how to do, when we begin to live out that not my will but your will, Father, lifestyle, that is when Holy Spirit comes. And that is when you see some of the hardest hearts soften. And when those hearts become soft, you get to speak truth in. And you get to watch tears just begin to fall because people have an encounter with the living God. And lives change. But we have to get lower. We have to die to self. We have to let our dreams go sometimes. You know, I've shared before my dream and my passion. I wanted to be on Broadway. That was my thing. I, I wanted, and that goes with my, with my personality that I just, I like to just, I'm bubbly. I like to be out there doing stuff like that. And that was a dream of mine. And never in my life would I thought that God was going to call me into ministry. And I remember whenever he said, okay, now, now that you're saved and sanctified and my child, this is what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to have you be a youth pastor. I'm like, nope. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, you are. So I did that. And then I was good in the youth pastor. And then he's like, oh, guess what? Now you're going to be a lead pastor. <laughs> nope. And I did it. And then he's like, no, I want you to be part of a church plant. And I'm like, Lord, I'm just learning what church is like, period, much less, you know, be a part of a church that doesn't exist and have, you know, help that. Like, I don't think I can do that. But God, he knew at the, he knew at the beginning of time that I was going to be here in Louisville, Kentucky, at this point in time, set apart to do his work here this way. So why am I going to argue with that? I can't let fear keep me from doing it. And so, yeah, I had to let some dreams die. My dream was to live close enough where my niece and nephew knew me, where I could go to all their birthday parties. My dream was to be there to take care of my parents, to be a part of my family every single day. But I had to let go of some of those dreams. See, growing up, I didn't have family like that. I had my mom and my dad, and so I always said, you know what, this is... This is going to be my, this is my plan. But I had to let that go and take on God's plan. Sometimes that's what he requires. For us to get low and to let some of our dreams die so that he can become higher and lives can be changed. See, there are lives here that, that some of you guys will never know that, that I've had the opportunity to speak truth. And if I would have been so stuck on my dreams here and what I thought my life should look like, these people might have never really heard the truth. So we have to die to dreams, and that's hard. It's hard sometimes. But God's like, I'm in it. I got this. So become seated in my presence. Become lower so I can become higher. And watch what I'm going to do in your families. Watch what I'm going to do in your neighborhood. Watch what I'm going to do in your church. It's amazing what happens when we begin to say, you know what, God, not my will. It's not about what I want or what I think is right. It's about you. Those of you who have been here at River City since it started, you can look out and you can see the difference of what happens when you say, God, not my will but yours. See, I've heard the stories about when Michael first came into this building and he saw a vision. He saw a vision of kingdom of heaven coming down here in Louisville and lives changing. 
guys, the atmosphere here is changing. And it's not because Michael's this amazing man. It's because Michael said, you know what, God, not my will, but yours. This doesn't make sense. This does not make sense that we're here off Preston Highway. You talk to most people in this area, and they say that this area is probably one of the most undesirable places. But Michael said, you know what, God told me he desired it, so I'm going to desire it. And I'm going to love on this place and these people as God loves on me. And by his leadership, we all get to see that. So then we get to join and be a part of it. And see, once we begin to stop seeing things the way we think they should be, we get to, we get to be a part of kingdom work. It's amazing. See, we have to go lower so he can go higher. See, we look at this story, this well-known miracle, and we see how God, how Jesus used these ordinary men these ordinary teenagers, to do this great miracle. A miracle that, that we as Christians, we still talk about to this day. Like even non-Christians know about how, you know, the, the loaves and the bread, and he, he, or the loaves and the fish, and he used ordinary teenagers to do that. So if he can do that, if he can use them, why can't he use us? Why wouldn't he use us? So many times we doubt that, like, God doesn't want to use me. He won't use me. Yeah. He does. He wants to use you. He will use you when you just say, you know what? Not my will, but yours. See, I, I've really, I've been in my journals, and as I talk to God, I, I think sometimes just shakes his head when I talk to him. It's like, God, I want to be so low that I have rug burns all over my face because I'm so planted in the ground, because I want to be so low, so flat, that nothing in me shows, that only you show. God, I want to be so low that when I come to pray that, that I can sit there in silence and be overwhelmed by you, that I don't have to talk anymore. Lord, I want to be so low that I don't even remember what Jairus looks like. That when I look in the mirror, Jesus, all I see is you. Because that's all I want people to see. That's how low Papa wants us. See, I've found in my life that the most freedom I have ever found in my life is whenever I'm like, Lord, I'm so broken. I'm so broken. And in my brokenness, you have come and you've filled every broken spot. And it's you. I have found more freedom in dying to myself than I ever found living for myself. That's what Papa wants. Lord, when we come up here and play, I wasn't really sure how God was going to end this today. And, and I just feel that as a church, that, that really what, what Papa wants to do is he wants to break us. He wants us to be so low that when people walk by this building and they look in, that they're not seeing a bunch of weirdos who are face-planted, that they're saying, man, there's a glow about that place. That when people walk by, they're just drawn and they don't understand it. They think it's crazy, but they're so curious that they just walk in the door. I think he wants to break us so much that we're not so set that we have to be in this building for a miracle to happen. That we can go out into this world and meet people right where they are and miracles break through. I believe here at River City Hope Church that God wants to start a great revival. And it's going to be a revival that doesn't just touch River City Hope, but it's going to take over Louisville. And it's going to move past Louisville. 
next thing we know, we're going to hear that the state of Kentucky's in revival. And then it moves and it spreads because where the power of God is, it isn't contained. You can't contain it. It spreads. But guys, it's going to start here. It's going to start in our lives. It's going to start with us breaking. It's going to start with us getting lower so he can get higher. It's going to start when we just say, God, it's not my will. It's not my will anymore. It's yours. God, I'm going to get so seated in your presence. I'm going to get so low in your presence that I'm just overwhelmed. That I'm so full of you that every step I take, it flows out. It can't help but flow out. Guys, I can't wait for the day when I hear reports about jobs, jobs being changed, people they're taking revival in our jobs, in Walmart, in different places. I'm going to ask that you guys just close your eyes and bow your head for a moment. I really feel like God's talking to some people today. I really feel like there's some people here that have been dealing with some pretty deep stuff. That there's some people here today that, that you feel like you have something in your life that has had such a grip on you that you feel like you can't breathe some days. That sometimes your anxiety is so, so thick that you can't see past it. And you worry about it and you think about it, whatever this issue is. And I, I, I literally see like, like someone like gasping for air and God saying this morning, I wanna take it. I wanna take it and I wanna let you breathe in me. And I'm gonna do something amazing, but you gotta let it go this morning. See, God wants to give you freedom.